0: It's Wednesday, September 7th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, the podcast gets possessed by the AI art world's first cryptid. Meet Loeb, a woman haunting every AI-generated image she's summoned to with some of the goriest scenes you'll see this side of Halloween. What does Loeb tell us about AI-generated art and our relationship to truth and reality online, especially when it comes to horrible stories that are so unbelievable you might just have to believe them? Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Well, just in time for the emergent Halloween season, we have a true tale of internet haunting. The first AI-generated cryptid. Her name is Loeb, and you might find her lurking anywhere, or at least anywhere in AI-generated art and human-made fan art and merchandise and memes of said art now. Loeb, spelled L-O-A-B was birthed by a musician and AI art generator who goes by the name Super Composite Online. In a thread on Twitter yesterday, Super Composite explains how she was playing around with negative prompt weights in an unspecified AI generator. A negative prompt weight is when you type in a prompt along with a negative number command to tell the generator to produce an image that is as different from the prompt as possible. And this dark tale began when Supercomposite typed in Brando-1, and a fairly benign image of a skyline sort of logo with the text Digita P-N-T-I-C-S was generated. Typical weird AI stuff. Then Super Composite wondered if she could generate an image of Marlon Brando by typing in the opposite of that Skyline logo image. So she typed Digita P-N-T-I-C-S Skyline logo minus one, and thus Loeb emerged from the void. Loeb is a middle-aged white woman with long brown hair, and I would say kind but traumatized eyes. She also has an extreme form of perhaps rosacea, resulting in prominent dark red splotches on her cheeks and nose, sometimes displayed more starkly like triangles. And no matter what other prompts Loeb gets combined with, she takes over. And for some reason, she's deeply associated with gory, violent scenes. It's all very horrific. A lot of the images shared on Twitter are behind not-safe-for-work filters. Definitely use caution if you check out the Twitter thread. Lots of blood and generally unnerving images. Loeb, by the way, got her name from one generated image of what looks like an album cover. Most of the text in the image on the generated album cover isn't legible in Latin writing, but you can make out one word that appears like it's the first name of one of the artists in the band. Loeb. So that is what Super Composite named this tragic, horror-stricken character. But what is really going on here? Some selections from Supercomposite's thread, quote, The AI reproduced her more easily than most celebrities. Her presence is persistent, and she haunts every image she touches. Through some kind of emergent statistical accident, something about this woman is adjacent to extremely gory and macabre imagery in the distribution of the AI's world knowledge. Since Loeb was discovered using negative prompt weights, her gestalt is made from a collection of traits that are equally far away from something. But her combined traits are still a cohesive concept for the AI, and almost all descendant images contain a recognizable lobe. The images that result from crossing lobe with other images can in turn be crossbred with other images. The AI can latch onto the idea of lobe so well that she can persist through generations of this type of crossbreeding without using the original image. Even when her red cheeks or other important features disappear, the lobeness of the image she has a hand in making is undeniable. She haunts the images, persists through generations, and overpowers other bits of the prompt because the AI so easily optimizes toward her face. The concept of lobeness became more abstract to me. I would include her in prompts that I knew would almost distort her beyond recognition. And after she disappeared from the image breeding lineage, she would sometimes reappear later down the line, out of nowhere. End quote. Loeb has quickly become a beloved meme, and what some are calling, as first dubbed by Adam Kranz, the first cryptid in latent space. Latent space referring to the space between the input and output in machine learning. Loeb is certainly attracting both urban legend and meme status. As one person summarized on Twitter, quote, in the 13 hours since the Loeb thread dropped, she's become a queer icon. People unironically believe she's a demon. She's been analyzing as evidence of multiple different types of bias in A.I., people are calling for a Loeb movie, and all of that fits the Loeb mythos perfectly end quote. Loeb even has a Wikipedia page already, and people are using the first tweet in the thread from Super Composite as a form of copypasta, copying and pasting it into their own new tweets with different images attached to it. A particularly funny and ironic outcome for a character that is quickly becoming its own creepypasta. More on that in a moment. But this is where we should clarify a few things. Some people are explaining Loeb or reacting to her as if she will pop up anywhere in AI-generated images or in any negative weight prompts, as if she really is some kind of demon lurking in the latent space, which, could happen soon as twitter user reverend howard arson pointed out quote lobe is likely to be the first entity to graduate from weird model artifact to label with definite characteristics based in part of selection of canonical lobes end quote but that's not what's happening now or at least not what was happening when super managed to generate hundreds of increasingly gory lobe images earlier this spring when the incident first occurred As Paul Tassi explained in Forbes, quote, there seems to be some sort of misunderstanding about what's happening here. The AI is not surfacing Lobe images for every negative prompt. What's being done here is that the original image of Loeb is being used in combination with new prompts and other art to create these new images. It's true that, yes, these are weighted toward being incredibly disturbing, and Loeb's signature features are always retained, which is some interesting AI bias here, but Loeb is not an actual demon haunting negative prompts and AI art generators. If you're trying to generate Loeb in mid-journey this way, you can't do negative prompts there at all. Still, we are witnessing the birth of an urban legend all the same. And the thread, with its genuinely interesting and unsettling elements combined with the mythos of an actual demon lurking within AI algorithms, is something that will probably have the movie rights auctioned off to Netflix by the end of the day. And I suppose that would raise an interesting question about AI art. Does supercomposite own Loeb? Can she sell her? Would this anger Loeb? Will Loeb bring about the destruction of this universe and all universes? Lots of questions. End quote. Lots of questions indeed. And it's interesting watching people grapple with those questions in real time. A number of critiques and different pathways of discourse have already been proliferating. One sobering point that has been made is how, as Twitter user God Princess Oat put it, quote. A negative weighted prompt consisting of terms that evoke technology, power, and wealth results in a haggard, shell-shocked woman bearing witness to horrendous violence. End quote. And user mx dizzy picking up on the prominent red marks on Loeb's face and other facial differences expressed in some versions of her, wrote, quote, People not understanding why an AI associates Loeb, a woman with asymmetrical facial features and a skin condition, with horror imagery, says more about how distanced those people are from understanding the mistreatment of ugly faces than they do on any kind of AI spook story, end quote. And this kind of goes along with the vampire skeleton story yesterday. The archeologist there explained that the best guess for why that woman was buried in a way that showed her community believed her to be a vampire was probably her very prominent front tooth. Facial and bodily differences have historically led to persecution and have therefore been solidified as tropes that we use in horror villains or just to evoke fear in a person's presence. As always, AI learns from us and from what we put out there in the databases it's learning from. Another interesting question being raised, however, is how real any of this is. And I don't mean is it real art because it was generated by AI, that is a whole other debate that's heating up in the world generally right now, and while I'm certainly rubbing up against it here, I'm not fully going to dive in because then this already long segment would get into infinite jest territory. And on that note, this segment has now gone on long enough that I need to take a break for a word from today's sponsors. Back in a few. Alright, so the question of how real Loeb is, not in terms of the veracity of AI generated art as art, but rather, some people have questioned whether this is an actual phenomenon within AI art generation, or simply, as IGN put it, quote, cleverly disguised creepypasta, end quote. Supercomposite and friends who were around when Loeb was first discovered back in April have posted some screenshots to try to prove it's all genuine, and one of those friends, AI Curio, tweeted, quote, This isn't me doing an alternate reality bit. Go take some Loeb images and try it yourself. End quotes. And as I said before, even if Loeb is an invented story, enough people have tried it themselves now that Loeb, I think, would become real through the AI having enough references to base the character on now. But the question of truth and reality in this Loeb phenomenon is still fascinating and intersects with bigger questions about internet cryptids, creepypasta, and the state of truth in our present times. Primed to comment in that direction is Logically's head of UK investigation and man getting his actual PhD in creepypasta, Joe Ondrak. Now, first, creepypasta for the not chronically online. Essentially, at this point, just refers to any horror content online, but in its more pure form, specifically refers to horror legends that spread online, constantly being remixed and added to as they jump from forum to forum and platform to platform. The name originates from copypasta, what I said is happening to the text of Supercomposite's first tweet. Copypasta is a play on copy-paste, and means copying and pasting a usually odd, offbeat, or concerning block of text in a different place without sourcing or explaining it. Creepypasta started as the version of copypasta that was extra disturbing. The point of creepypasta is that it's fake. These are legends, urban myths. You know, maybe some people believe them to a certain extent, sometimes with tragic results. But for the most part, you can get your kicks even while knowing that it's not really real. It's exciting, though, because it's real enough for you to occasionally suspend your disbelief, like all good horror. As Andrek points out in a piece in Logically from last October, horror is often one of the first genres to experiment with new technology. Quote, In fact, whenever there's been a leap forward in media and communication technology, horror and the gothic have been right there to exploit said leap forward to create real scares. From the Gothic's inception with the first edition of the Castle of Entrantas conceit as a found document, and classic Gothic literature's continuation of this tradition, via radio plays such as Orson Welles' infamous broadcast of the War of the Worlds, to video with cannibal holocaust alleging to be found footage, a claim so convincing that the filmmakers were put on trial for murder, and the Blair Witch Projects, blending this with a wildly successful marketing campaign on a then-fledgling internet to continue the reality presented in the film beyond its title card and credits, end quote. But, Andrek points out, none of those actually created the uproar and panic they're sometimes claimed retrospectively to have done, in part because they were each so intrinsically tied to the industries that contained them. But Creepypasta is different, quoting further, Far from the audience being separated from the story by being able to exit a cinema, close a book, or turn off a radio, creepypasta stories simply appear in spaces where one would usually find interaction with assumedly real people, often in the guise of interactions with assumedly real people. Paratextual indicators of fictionality aren't part of the mechanism by which a creepypasta narrative is delivered to the reader. On the contrary, paratextual elements of forums and social media platforms ask users to consider its content to be things that real people have uploaded. Indicators of fictionality must be consciously added, if at all. Creepypasta stories take the shape of posts as dictated by platforms, forum posts, message board green text, Twitter threads, YouTube videos, and comment sections, all to be copied, pasted, and recirculated by other, assumedly real people. End quote. Or, as he puts it on Twitter, "quote "...we trust to various degrees that the virtual presence — voice on the phone, video feed, text — of a person is representative of their real self. We must greet the virtual presence with a level of trust in order for communication to function. Guarded suspicion of everything isn't possible. To treat all mediated communication in such a way would cause a level of collapse in all discourse." It is the essential need for a level of trust that creepypasta, and crucially, malinformation, exploits. End quotes. And here we have another dimension. Not just the trust or lack thereof on social media platforms, but the new technology of AI. Just like those example narratives, War of the Worlds, The Blair Witch Project, utilized newer technologies to fool people, so have many people been attempting to do so with AI, because, after all, as Andrek tweeted, quote, While it is known how AI systems work, it isn't common knowledge, end quote. Or as Andy Bow told Charlie Wurzel in a recent edition of Wurzel's Galaxy Brain newsletter on the topic of AI-generated art that is made in part, arguably, from other people's art, largely without their knowledge, quote, There is a vacuum of information about how these tools are made, and people fill that vacuum with feelings, end quote. So maybe Loeb is real, in as much as the story told by Super Composite and her friends relay it but people are already thrusting their own interpretations onto that recounting and filling any vacuums of misunderstanding with their own explanations and feelings about Loeb. And as Andrak points out on Twitter, the most successful creepypastas, or indeed any hoaxes, urban myths, or misinformation and conspiracy theories, tap into our emotions, perhaps nostalgia, perhaps certain anxieties. Quoting Andrak on Twitter, Our gal Loeb directly addresses the uncanniness of uncontrolled digital subjectivity. She isn't a network reaching out and acting upon us. She is a network reaching out for itself and for unknown reasons. The I of AI remains a deeply uncanny concept. The animation of that which should not be animated. A double or doppelganger of human consciousness. Images of automatons, etc. What does it mean that a computer mind created a woman that haunts and distorts every image she touches? End quote. Is Loeb a demon haunting the latent void of AI generation? A devastated and traumatized woman trapped in the void? Or is she a character that supercomposite jerry-rigged to appear in generations more intentionally than she's telling? The question, is Loeb real, may better be asked, What is real? As Andrek said of Creepypasta generally, quote, a Creepypasta narrative is as real as you or I are online, a textual representation of something or someone that platforms ask us to sincerely believe in, if only to consider whether to continue believing, end quote. So at least, especially online, in our world of text on screens, Loeb, is just as real as you or I. You know, I didn't mean to become the Michael's craft store of podcasts by having Halloween take over nearly two months early, but every media outlet and company seems to have decided it's time for spooky season, and that means a lot of the interesting stuff coming my way right now is already tinged with faux terror. So here's one more haunted chaser for you. Party City is launching a nationwide scavenger hunt this weekend. In 10 U.S. cities that Party City describes as the most historically haunted, Salem, Mass., New Orleans, etc., check the link in the show notes for the full list, will be hidden hundreds of life-size skeletons. If you find one of the skeletons, you should scan the accompanying QR code to be entered to win a prize pack from the party store. It looks like you can actually enter to win online even if you don't find a skeleton, but it's a fun enough idea for the store to just be dropping a bunch of skeletons in random places in a bunch of towns. And if all of this talk of cryptids got you wanting more, I want to recommend a podcast called The Cryptid Factor. It's not about creepypasta, but rather cryptid-esque news from around the world, discussed by a group of friends slash entertainment professionals, including producer Dan Schreiber, documentarian David Ferrier, and comedian Rhys Darby. Especially as fans of podcasts about weird and interesting news, I think some of you might be into it. But that is it from me for today. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.